Welcome to Board Game Evolution, a podcast where I discuss my evolving views on the games we love and the games we love to hate. I'm your host, Jason Davidson. Alrighty, today we are looking at the polyomino game Isle of Cats by designer Frank West. And this is a wonderful polyomino game that my wife and I have logged uh, 15 plays of now. And we've done about half of them at the full version and half of them at what's called the family version. And for those who don't know, this is a really cool thing that this game Isle of Cats does that I really wish more games would do is have a simpler set of rules that strip out some of the less core components of the game in order to make an experience that gives you a similar feel to the full game, but more playable with less rules overhead and fitting for different groups, especially for families. So the real difference here is that in the core game, you have a boat and you're filling this boat with cats of different shapes, different polyominoes of different colors. And you're trying to match colors to gain points from cat families. You're trying to fill rooms in the boat to avoid negative points, trying to cover up rats in the boat, which are also negative points and fulfill these lesson plans or personal mission cards, you could think of them. And that is what you're doing to get the points. And that's what the uh, core family game brings out. Really, you're grabbing, simply grabbing these different cat pieces that are available and placing them in your board to maximize the potential. The full version adds on this whole card play element where you are drafting cards and all of the actions you're doing, whether gathering cats or placing treasures, is all coming from this a sort of hand management piece where you have to manage an economy because you're buying cats with these fish. You need baskets to be able to get the cats. So it builds this scaffolding around the core of the game to add uh, quite a, um, a significant element to it. One that is to the side, though, and can be easily stripped away to keep that core puzzle. And so I want to look at these two halves of the game and turn the core puzzle and then the card play. Now, the core puzzle of this game is excellent. It's right up there with uh, other sort of puzzly games like Calico or Cascadia, Santa Monica, where you're really working hard to balance the competing interests. And what makes this game so good is that idea, again, of tension. Tense decisions in board games is what makes them so enjoyable, where you're agonizing, do I take this cat piece now and add to my family, but potentially block myself off from getting over there? Do I give up on trying to complete this room to try to complete my card objective? And the competing objectives is what makes this game so good. If you've played Calico or Cascadia, you know that it's balancing two different sorts of scoring objectives and trying to maximize your points with each piece where the joy comes. And similarly in Isle of Cats, you're trying to get the cat families and match those colors up, but you're also trying to cover up these rooms and you really can't ignore any one aspect. You have to be working at it all. And so also having these lesson cards that give you unique objectives, those can be in an even greater way competing against the other things you're doing. And if you like spatial puzzles or polyominoes like my wife and I do, I think you'll love this game. It's one of the best ones out there. And trying to visually uh, look at the pieces, look at your board to see where could this fit what piece do I wait for? Do I try to wait for the perfect piece that may or may not come? Or do I just go for it now with what I got, adjust my plans on the fly? Can I pull off the plans I'm making? You're trying to accomplish these goals and you're 
it's always tight by the end of the game of whether you'll be able to make it or not. And the designer did a really good job of getting this balance that uh, the objectives are not so easy to pull off nor too difficult. You're often there. And it gets that right balance where perhaps two-thirds to even three-quarters of the time you can make your objectives, but every once in a while you just can't. And uh, that's what keeps this game fresh, is that it never gets too easy such that you're always succeeding. So the core puzzle, the family game, is a really great design. Now, as far as actually playing with families, this is a game that slows down significantly with more players. Because what happens is you fill these fields with cats, and it's four options per player. So with four players, you have 16 cats out there. And trying to look through and sort through all those options to find your ideal piece can definitely lead people to some analysis paralysis. Now, I was listening to an interview with designer Frank West, who said one of the ways he tried to mitigate this was that cat families rule where cats of one color score higher. To try to force people to focus in on one color specifically to narrow down that decision-making space. But it can take quite a while and slow down. We've played this with our nieces and nephews who range from about 6 to 12 years old, and they were able to figure out the family game well enough. Uh, sometimes they did go painfully slow trying to select the best cat, and sometimes they, uh, you know, they didn't make the best decisions, but they all enjoyed it relatively. Um, I found it a little too slow, so haven't suggested it since then to them. Uh, we've played at three players the family game with uh, three adults, and that, that went pretty well. It's not too slow, um, but it's good. And so even if you were only to buy this game for just the family rules, I think it's totally worth it. And I'm going to discuss at the end a particular variant we've started playing with that I think enhances the experience significantly. So now let's consider the advanced version with the card play. What you're doing is you're drafting a hand of seven cards in my least favorite form of draft, that just pick and pass. And we've seen this done so many times in so many different games. And personally, to me, it really just comes across as lazy. It's a lazy way to allocate resources that um, I just don't find very interesting. Plus, for what it is, all to get your starting hand of cards, it's this slow process where the slowest link in the chain slows everybody down and um, the cards are stacking up. You think, just wait, has this person picked yet? And oh, they got it wrong. And how do you have three cards? You should have two. And what's going on here? But anyways, you pick two cards, pass the rest, pick two, pass, pick two, pass, and then you get one from the last person. And you're allocating these cards. And there's basically two main things on here. There's one set of cards that are related to your economy. So instead of just taking cats, you have fish that you buy them, and you have to rescue cats in baskets. Now, here, there's a fine economic tension, right? You have to balance, balance the resources of, okay, how much fish do I spend to buy cards, and how much will I have left over to be able to get the cats I need Will I have enough baskets? I personally don't find these de decisions particularly interesting. You know in the full game that you basically need to have three cats every round, and you're not really going to be able to do much better than that. So it's almost just like something you have to get over with. You say, okay, once I get the baskets I need, once I spend the fish, what's left to do? And I don't particularly find those decisions um, tense or enjoyable. They don't make me feel clever. It feels more like a, a rote mechanic calculation I have to go through to get to what I really want, which is placing those awesome cat pieces on the board. That's what I enjoy, is finding the best way to do that and having to worry about, oh, do I have enough fish? Can I afford that? It's fine, and it is enjoyable to an extent, but it's, uh, it can really, I think the card play does drag down the game too much for me. And 
Similarly, when the lesson cards come out here, uh, this can really make your breaker game. If one person is getting good, high-scoring lesson cards early they can work towards and other people just aren't getting them, that can be such a significant chunk of points at the end of the game that it really can leaving you feeling like it was unfair. And that's why some have suggested on BGG having variants where you only use public lesson cards that you work towards. Uh, but the, yeah, that can be unsatisfying. But when you're getting a handful of those lesson cards and you're completing all those objectives, that does feel really, really good. And then lastly, there's treasure cards and Oshax cards, which are like wildcats. And those are just to fill in your board. And that's fine. I don't have any huge problems with that. I wonder if there's a good way to, in, um, to include the rare treasures and Oshax into the family game. I think there's something there. And so overall, Isle of Cats is a great game. It's had the legs to play 15 times for us at least now, which is because that core puzzle is so strong. So strong. I wouldn't really recommend playing it with more than three players. I really just do think it would bog down and slow down a little too much. And uh, I should mention the components and production quality is really, really high. It is an overly giant box, but it's made out of this really extra thick cardboard because they say on the top of the box that you can place a cat here. So they, I think they wanted it to be strong enough that a full-size cat could sit in the box and not rip it. And uh, really well done game. And uh, congratulations on them for really this successful game. With And I really do want to see more companies trying that two types of game in one box. Now, I'll just conclude by talking about the variant that we've started playing with this game. I call it the Cascadia style variant. Cascadia's become, it's now the number one ranked abstract game on BGG. And I think that incorporating some of the Cascadia rules dynamics into the core game makes it much better. So here's what we do in three simple things. Instead of having rounds and filling up fields with cats, we have no defined round structure, but just four cats in a line. And just like in Cascadia, on your turn, you pick a cat and then replace it with a new one from the bag. The next person goes, they pick one of those four cats, replace one from the bag. And what you can do is every time you put a cat on a matching treasure map, which gets you a common treasure, you also take a cat token. And just like the pine cones in Cascadia, on your turn, you can cash in one of your cat tokens to swipe any number of cats in the market and replace it with new ones. So it helps it make sure that you can try to get the cats you need. And a second huge element of this is that we play with the family lesson cards. And I should say, this is basically an addition or variant of the family style of the game. It's not at all a variant of the full game. We take five random family lesson cards and put them all out publicly. So just like in Cascadia, there's five animals with different objectives you're working towards. Here, there's five lessons that you can be working towards the whole game. Everyone's working towards the same one, so it's fair and even. And uh, if you want it to be friendlier, we sometimes take out the ones that are more zero-sum, like whoever has the most of this gets the points, because we often do like our games a little friendlier. But this really, it does wonders for the game. And the game ends once each player has had 20 turns. 20 turns uh, basically to fill in 20 cats, which is about as much as what you can get in the family game as it stands. And what this does is it creates just that static amount of four cats. So you're not slowing down when you're deciding to pick one out of eight. And it's not that non-decision of picking only one or two that are left. It creates a nice decision space each turn. And it has just a right amount of tension of there's enough variety with four that you can usually get something good, but sometimes it's not quite what you want. And then the ability to swipe is really nice. And those extra cats 
if you don't use them, they're worth one point at the end of the game. So kind of like Cascadia. And it really keeps you focused on that core puzzle. It adds those five extra objectives, which are just extra tensions to make it even more interesting. And Isle of Cats is a great game. It's going to be a permanent mainstay in our collection. We love polyomino games. And if you love polyominoes or spatial puzzles, or really any sort of those puzzly games, right? Like Calico, Cascadia, um, ones like that. This will be a great game for you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Board Game Evolution.